a series for quite a while about what? Blessing. And uh, we've covered some different aspects. And now we're kind of getting into the power of the spoken blessing or the spoken word over your life, over your family. The Jewish people understood how important it was to bless the next generation. And we have a, a responsibility as parents and grandparents to see that that blessing is transmitted to them so they in turn can speak a blessing over the following generation. And uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And so this morning we're going to continue, and I'm going to go in a little bit different direction. But as you're turning there, I'll remind you from Proverbs 18 and verse 21, it says, words kill. Everyone say that. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. See, you have a choice every day, no matter what age, to choose the appropriate words. Amen? Amen. Matthew 24, I want to show you, and and I know that, that Caleb's Kaylee does not like this. She doesn't like me talking about the last days, but... I didn't know you were going to be here today, girl. But even good old Lutherans need to know we're living in the last days. She's one of the few that that knows that. Amen. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at verse 10. It says, then many will what? Many will be what? Offended. Not some, not just a few, but many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, now listen, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Love gone cold, hatred and betrayal are all, are all rooted in an offense. You can allow, or I can allow, the trap of offense and unforgiveness to destroy you, or you and I can choose to forgive and bless the very ones who've come against us. We're talking about the spoken blessing. All you have to do is turn on the TV and listen to the news. All that's going on in these, this great nation, all that's going on in the world today, would you say there's some strife, some conflict, a lot of things going on in the streets? People are offended with one another. Now with the gay issue and all that taken care of, and and uh, it's caused a lot of controversy. Not it already was causing issues, but in the days ahead as a church, 
and the church in general, we're going to have to be very careful how we respond, or, you know, to other people. There are all kinds of people out there, and there's, you know, a lot of sinners. There's a lot of carnal Christians. There's a lot of well-meaning people out there, good people. But we're going to have opportunities in the days ahead to use this little member, the tongue, and speak the appropriate word to somebody. Because you might be in somebody's pathway, or you you might be at work or wherever you're at, a neighbor, and they're going to want to argue with you. They're going to want to get into a, a, a fight with you, maybe over words, over an issue, over something that's controversial, and you're going to have to make sure you use your words correctly. Now, I, I don't condone what's going on, of course not, but I'm saying we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves because this can start a fire. I've seen it happen at places of employment, businesses, homes, at church. The tongues get going because everybody has opinion. Some people have more of an opinion than others. But you're going to have to be careful with your opinion in the days ahead. I believe for my family, we stand up what we believe is right. But you also have to exercise some discretion and some wisdom when you're dealing with some of these issues. Because it's not going to get better. It's going to get darker. It's going to get worse. I don't want to rain on your parade, but we, the church, should become even lighter and greater. We, the church, should influence the world. The world should not intimidate us or influence us. Amen? Amen. I want to read to you, because I thought this was appropriate. It's a story. It's a true story. And it, it deals with, with um, <clears throat> dealing with people. How many of you ever had somebody that just was a pain? Caused problems, stirred things up, went out of their way to try to offend you. Did anybody ever have anybody, a family member, a relative, somebody you work with that's just a jerk? Three of you, okay. <clears throat> I don't know where the rest of you must not leave the house. <clears throat> He says this, the author said, everybody loved my father. Everybody, that is, except Mr. and Mrs. Ane. They were neighbors on the lake where we lived for 13 years. It wasn't a personal thing. At least it didn't start out that way. 20 years before we moved into the house next to theirs, the Anes had severe crossing of wills with a member of their church. Rather than resolve that conflict, they became extremely bitter not just toward the other member or even the entire membership of of their church. No, they were bitter toward anyone who attended any church. And they told anyone who would listen. The Anais were in their mid-60s when we met them, and when they learned that we were Christians, they wanted nothing to do with our faith or us. We tried to honor their wishes, but God had other plans. 
Our home was on a lake on several acres of land, giving our dog, Schultz, ample room to run. But somehow it was never enough, so he often visited the Anais yard as well. And we all know what dogs do. Schultz's trespassing especially bothered Mrs. Anne. She showed her frustration by shouting various things at him, none of which he understood. She even notified the town constable about Schultz. We tried to keep Schultz at home. When a boat pulling a water skier came close to our shoreline, a ball and chain could not have held him. The day finally came when Mrs. Anne and Schultz had a showdown. She was out in her yard digging dandelions, dandelions using a picker with a five-foot wooden handle on one end and a sharp twin-pointed blade on the other. When Schultz came flying through her yard, she wound up like a baseball pitcher and let the lethal weapon fly. Fortunately for Schultz, she was out of practice and the lance sailed harmlessly over his back. Within minutes, Mrs. Anne, well, what if that was your dog? How would you respond to that? Within minutes, Mrs. Anne was pounding on our door, having observed the encounter through our windows. My dad offered to greet our visitor. The next few moments I'll never forget. As my dad opened the door, there was Mrs. Anne literally bouncing up and down with rage like some plastic wind-up toy. For what seemed like eternity, Mrs. Anne screamed at my dad at the top of her lungs. When she ran out of words, she stood there sputtering like an old motor. Finally, she ran out of gas and stopped. With his heart overflowing with compassion, my father replied, My dear Mrs. Anne, I'm so sorry that we have upset you so. Will you ever forgive us? We'll try not to let it happen again. God bless you, Mrs. Anne. For a brief moment, she stood there in stunned silence. She was defenseless. Then she spun on her heels and charged back across the yard. For several weeks, we didn't see Mr. and Mrs. Anne, and Dad became concerned. Their lawn, usually nicely kept, was overgrown and in desperate need of mowing. So after considerable prodding from Dad, my brother and I were finally convinced to mow their lawn. We were about 14 and 16 years old at the time, and this wasn't how we had planned to spend a warm summer day at the lake. It was an all-day job to mow and rake their large yard. But we did it, however reluctantly. No sign of life appeared in the Ane house while we worked, but we knew they were home. Two weeks later, my brother and I again protested as Dad asked, us to mow their lawn. This time we saw Mrs. Anne peeking from behind the curtains. Two more weeks passed when Dad looked over at the Anne's lawn and said, Well, boys, we knew what that meant. This time, just as we were finishing, Mrs. Anne came outside carrying a tray with large, a large glass of lemonade for each of us. She thanked us for mowing her lawn and explained that her hu- husband had not been well. We told her we were sorry and were glad to help in any way we could. Later that fall, Mrs. Anne called. Can you come quickly? Elle is very ill. Mom and Dad rushed to their home. Mrs. Anne took them to the bedroom where her husband lay. They talked with Mr. Anne about his illness, his past with the church, the state of, the, of his soul, and the redeeming blood of Christ that could make him clean. Mr. Anne listened thanked them, and asked them to please come back. 
Over the next few weeks, Dad and Mom visited the Anais several times. Finally, the day came when both Mr. and Mrs. Anais prayed to receive Christ as their Savior. I can still remember my parents' joy when they told us the story. Two weeks later, Mr. Anais went to be with the Lord. Mrs. Anais joined our church, soaking up everything she could. The, the following summer, she was baptized in the lake. She grew in her faith and became a close friend of our family. Then a few years later, she joined her husband. What would have happened to Mr. and Mrs. Anne if my dad had responded to her in a harsh way that summer afternoon? Instead, God used a soft answer, a kind word, a loving deed, a blessing to expand his kingdom here on earth. I'm thinking you boys working that last job. This is all for you. They've experienced the Anais. Dad's response to Mrs. Anne that day was not an isolated instance of Christ-likeness. Much of what I've learned about blessing, I learned from my father. He not only was a man who knew how to bless people, he used the blessing as a way of life. We need to get that up there. The blessing. We'll get Shane to do that. The biblical portrait of King David shows us another man who knew the blessing as a way of life. In fact, of the many recorded uses in the Bible of some form of the word bless, more than 70 are attributed to David. And on one particular occasion, when he regained the ark of the Lord from his enemies, the king displayed a pattern that we all might want to imitate. At that time, David spoke a blessing in three directions. We read that he blessed God for his goodness, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. He also blessed all the people around him. David finished giving burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to God. Then he used the Lord's name to bless the people. Finally, he gave the blessing to his family. Then all the people left. Each person went to his own home, and David also went home to bless his family. He said, as we read many stories about David in Scripture, we read about someone who seems to have been continually blessing God, blessing his family, and blessing the people. His son Solomon was evidently so impressed with the example that he followed the pattern his father had established. No wonder then that King David, the man of blessing, was called a what? A man after God's own heart, who would do everything God wanted him to do. That's a good story because we all have people in our lives, maybe not now, but you will. If you continue to live your Christian life and desire to grow spiritually, there will be people like the Anais in your life. And how you respond and how I respond could very well mean how they will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell, because of what? Your words. Americans can be very, what's the word? I'm trying to be careful. Very brash, reactionary, critical, and judgmental. Americans are a proud people. And, and many times, instead of wanting to resolve a situation peacefully, 
to where it benefits both parties, we want to fight. We want to fight. We want to, you know, fight at the drop of a hat. They had no right to talk that way to me. They had no right to do that to my family. How dare they do that? And as I said before, I've set people down that deserved a good chewing out. I just wished I'd done it a little more tactfully, diplomatically, and used this little member maybe to not only bring correction, but also bring healing at the same time. We can all be guilty of just reacting so quick with our words. It's awful quiet here. Is this just for me today? This must just be for the preacher. I must be the only one in this room that needs to hear this. And ask my family. They'll tell you that I need to hear this. Let me read to you from the Message Bible again. He says, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. What do you think controls your life? Say it. Your tongue. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Only takes, it only takes a spark. Remember to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly, a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Look in your Bibles to Romans 12. I'll never forget when I went to Bible school. I went to a a school called uh, Rama Bible Training Center. Some of you remember Dr. Kenneth Hagen. Taught, it was anointed to teach on the subject of faith. And there were opportunities and times that I I crossed this great man of God's pathway. If I was just going into a, to class, many times he he would be there, and and he was a little different, a little eccentric, but that was all right. I mean, he was a very spiritual man, and he didn't talk. And I'd say hi, and he'd go. I thought great man of God. You don't have time for me? Can't even say hi to one of your students? See, I had to watch my heart. You got to watch your heart. But he didn't talk a lot. Another great man of God that we had in our back seat, and we were hauling around when he was up here. It was Charles Capp. Some of you young people don't know who he is, but he just went on to be with the Lord not too many years ago. He wouldn't talk. 
Well, I didn't realize his wife was, was diagnosed with liver cancer at that time and had been given up by the doctors to die. And they didn't talk. I didn't know a lot of it. I was young and stupid. And I thought, we get all these great men and women of God here, and they don't talk. Now, yeah, they talk. I, I'm sure they visit. But they were very careful what they spoke. He didn't want to talk caps because his wife was dealing. They were in the midst of a spiritual battle. And I can understand that. Why? Because he understood. Listen, if you can get to the point in your life and you say to the family, I'm going in, lay down on the bed, I'm going home, I'm done. I'm dying. I'm going home. That's what Charles Capps did. Did you know that? And his wife's still living. So that tells you something, doesn't it? He understood words. So many of us, we speak to many of them. How come you're so quiet? Gunner's the only one, don't talk. He doesn't talk. He just looks at me, grins. That's all right. Does he talk, mom and dad? Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just polite in church, isn't he? We speak too much. We talk too much. I won't go over here because they'll think I'm... We talk too much. Precious. Don't ever quit smiling. You keep smiling. I need a recording of you some days just smiling at me. It'll make my day... No! You're ornery like your brother. Look at Romans 12. Are you there? Did I tell you to turn there? Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Christians today don't really understand persecution, like in a third world country. My idea of persecution is when somebody gives me a gesture with their hand at McDonald's that I don't care for. Or says something to me as I'm going down the street. I, t I, I told you, um, uh, this is one of the funniest stories. We were on, Kathy and I, I don't know if the boys were with us. It might have been just Kathy and I. We were on our way to... Uh, Sioux City to go to a service and we must have been in a hurry because she was putting her makeup on in her her visor mirror and she was doing this so she's putting her makeup on and inadvertently she'd used a certain finger to put her makeup on now do I need to do I need to draw you a picture she didn't know she was using this finger See, if this was TV, they'd be bleeping it out. I can't understand that. They don't bleep anything else out. But she used this finger, and, and we passed this old boy in a junky pickup, this old, oh, man, he just looked tough. 
And we're going by him, and he gave us the same gesture. And we're going, what's going on? Who would do that to us, Kenny? We're preachers on our way to church. We love people some days. And he just made me, 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 me. That's our idea of being persecuted. We don't understand persecution. But it tells us in the scripture to bless those who persecute you. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because what do we want to do as Americans? How dare you? I'll put you in your place. Look at Luke 6. Luke chapter 6. Kaylee, where's your Bible? At our church, we bring Bibles. I don't care. You're marrying him. You need to get him trained. See what I got? I got one woman who's not afraid to speak up, Carl. Now I got another one coming along here. Micah, don't get married. Luke 6, verse 27. The words of Jesus Christ. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. You know, Timothy Scott called me this last week. He says, how do we pray for our government and our president? When he, you know, and he was really careful what he said. And I said, well, there's some, there's some days I just don't. I'll be honest with you. It's hard to pray. And uh, it talks about loving your enemies. I'm not saying that you and I need to tolerate what's evil in this, in this land. We, we need some backbone and we need to stand up to what's wrong. Don't just embrace it. Take a stand, but choose your words and pray. Let my speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that I might know how to answer every man. Instead of just opening your mouth, which I have done and you have done, before you engage your brain. But we're to pray and we're to bless those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Who said that? Jesus said that. Bless in the Greek means to say good or, or positive things. So we should only speak good words about those who wish to harm us or who want to say bad things about us. Is that hard on the flesh? How many of you have mastered that? You don't need to raise your hand. Now, the Greek tense implies, and I thought this was interesting, a continuous action or speaking well of people again and again. Your decision to bless and not curse, will cause a release of God's power in the realm of the Spirit. Does the Bible have anything to say about curses? Sure it does. 
Sure it does. I'll never forget, when we first came to Norfolk in 1983, there was a very demonic spirit, and it was called witchcraft. And if you've never experienced that or dealt with that, I don't want you to, because it's not pleasant. When you wait, you're in your bedroom, and uh, it, the bedroom turns icy cold, and I'll tell you what, you can call for all the ghostbusters you want. It ain't going to help. And, and it, it, it is like an entity, a demonic entity, just right in the middle of our bedroom. When we first came here, we dealt with a lot of things, and I'm so glad we've broken through that. But there are... Demonic forces out there that they want to put curses and they want people to speak curses upon you. How do you deal with that? You deal with it with blessings. A curse causeless cannot alight upon you or myself. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit. The words Jesus spoke were what? Spirit. Spirit and they were life. So your words are, are spirit. Your words are life. And when you speak spiritual words and, and, and life, it has a profound effect upon those that hear it. Look at Romans 15, please. Romans 15. I said all that to come down to this. How many of you could use help with your words? Thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank God to be able to pray in other tongues. Romans 15, I, I, I want to read the first seven verses. It says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us bless, please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. So we should put what? Others ahead of us? For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may be what are you may that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ now, all, all that to verse 7 therefore everyone say therefore therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. What am I talking to? I'm coming to a point here in this message here at the end. We're to use our words to what? Bless. And you're going to have opportunities in the days ahead, as I said, to either use your tongue to bless or to curse. Has anyone ever said anything to you that maybe offended you? Okay, folks, 
It's called audience participation. Has anybody here heard anything that offended you? Let me see your hands. Okay. You're back from the dead. Right. Has anybody ever said anything that maybe it was a friend or close associate that you knew well and you loved, but what they said came across in a different way? Have you ever said something that was misinterpreted by those that were listening? Does that mean you're no good? Do you know how many times I've stood behind that pulpit and said things that were misinterpreted? Sandy, do you know how many times you've said things that's been misinterpreted? We're a lot alike. I've always said that, our personalities. Well, that doesn't mean you're a bad person, does it? No. But you can say things and you can be misinterpreted and people will get mad at you and get offended. I've had people get offended and then I have to take the time to clarify what I said and say, forgive me if I spoke something that you misinterpreted or I said it in the wrong way, please forgive me. This is what I meant. Amen? It can happen. It can happen. You sold cars how many years? Did you ever have people maybe misunderstand what you were telling them? And then they come back to you and say, well, I didn't know this was this and this. And you, you told them? Sure, it happens. You and I are going to have to guard ourselves from being offended and getting critical and judgmental. How, let me ask you this. How did Christ receive you as a sinner? You're no good. You worthless person, you. How did, he, how did Jesus receive you? He received you and I the way we were. Sinners. Lost. Didn't he? How many times do you receive your kids and they're just acting terrible, talking terrible? Do you still love them? Sure you do. You don't like what you're hearing or what you're seeing, but you still love them. You can't get offended because you know the God of heaven and earth is working in their lives because you've blessed them. Have you, have you ever, and I wrote this down, have you ever said something that made a wrong impression on someone even though you didn't do it on purpose? Now listen, wouldn't you like that individual to believe the best about you? You and I need to believe the best about others and not rush to judgment. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. That word here in the Greek, therefore receive one another as Christ has received you, means to, to, to receive closely or to receive with a welcoming attitude. How did Jesus receive you and I? I already asked you as sinners. Did he accept us even though we had character flaws and attitude problems? Sure he did. So like Jesus, you and I have to learn to receive others with open arms, walk in forgiveness, and overlook their faults. It's called the law 
of sowing and reaping. If you'll sow mercy, what will you reap? Mercy. Sometimes you and I are going to have to shut our eyes and let it go. Keep our mouth shut and purpose just to walk in love. Ellen has to do that with Larry every day. <laughs> My family's had to do that with me, and they'll have to do it in the days ahead. I'm not saying I'm going to graduate, graduate today. What are you laughing at, Kaylee? You're going to have to extend mercy to me. I'm going to have to extend mercy to them. You're going to have to do it with each other. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So today I want you to understand again, I'm... I'm emphasizing again the importance of using your tongue to bless and not curse. But I'm, I'm saying today, don't get easily offended and about people. And don't be so critical and judgmental of others. We all have bad days. And you'll have, oh, I never have had a bad day. Dr. Hagen used to say, I never had a headache, never had a headache. But we're going to have days that aren't, that aren't easy. We're going to have some rough days. We all have to deal with things like that. If you're, de- if you're in the world, you're going to have circumstances. I'm just telling you, it, it's, it would be, be better for you and I to exercise mercy. Speak blessings over people. How many of you today, let's stand up. How many of you today would say, Pastor Mike, there's been times I've not blessed, but I've cursed. Oh, no, nobody's going to raise your hand. Let's pray. Can we just pray? I'll lead you in a prayer. Let's just, let's just pray a simple prayer. This is all of us praying. Say, Lord, forgive me. For a critical and judgmental attitude toward others when they make mistakes or behave wrongly. Holy Spirit, help me to extend mercy and to use my words to bless others in Jesus' name. Amen.